Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Story Screen Presents, uh, the beginning of our podcasting division of the Story Screen website. Um, I'm Jack Kolodzeski and I am joined by Robert Anderson and Mike Burge and Bernadette Gorman. And we're here today to kick off our very first podcast with uh, sort of a recap of 2016. Um, so we're all going to take our turns going through some of our favorite movies of the year and just chat about them. So, uh, Mike, as the founder of StoryScreen, do you want to kick us off with your first? I would love to. Uh, by first, do you mean like my number one movie or the first movie that I want to talk about? First movie you want to talk first about. First movie I want to talk about would probably be the first movie I saw this year, uh, The Invitation. That's a fantastic little movie. Tense. And I just realized now that I brought it up, can't really talk about that movie. It's hard. It's a hard much. movie to talk about without saying too much. Right. Yeah. Right. Sort of a cabin in the woods, almost in the way of like, just go see this. I mean, I guess yeah. If like anybody listening doesn't know what the invitation is about, it's a horror, suspense-ish thriller, thriller yeah. movie. Um, has to do with dinner. A dinner party of sorts. Going to a dinner party, <laughs> yeah. and it's a horror suspense thriller about a dinner party. That's. I'd say that's pretty good. That's yeah. Pretty good, and it's. Uh, I, I guess mainly why it hit me so hard was um, I had heard about it last year. Um, it was going around all the festivals and all the uh, circuits that I pay attention to to like find out about new movies and what's coming up, and uh, especially because it had the A twenty four attachment to it, which I think almost like almost all of my top fives this year were done by A24. That's not just because I worship them. That's just because like, they're really good at making <laughs> movies. I mean, even um, Barry Jenkins at the Golden Globes, when Moonlight won the uh, Best Picture for Drama, he was like, A24, 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 A24. Like, that movie never could have gotten made. And I think this is a lot like that, too. The, um, the director, uh, Karen Kusama, she did... Do you guys know Karen Kusama? Like, what else she did? I do not. She made that movie with... Michelle Rodriguez girl fight oh like a long time ago sounds like a winner to me and <laughs> I watched that just because I was on the, back in the day I was on like a girl interrupted and um, like a, a, a boys don't cry kind of kick and somebody also recommended girl fight to me and it's essentially just like a more badass version of million dollar baby like just without like a, a Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood character see I get vibes of what was that horrible Robert Rodriguez movie uh, Which one? Oh man, yeah, good question. Uh, the one with all the girls fighting. The like, at, right after Three Hundred, it came out. Robert that, Rodriguez, Zack Snyder. Oh, that's Snyder. That's, that's, Snyder. 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 Yeah, that's um, Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. Yeah. So not like that. Sucker Punch. I'm hoping. That is a Zack Snyder's uh, feminist movie. Right. Yeah. The best uh, it can do. No, no, it's not like that. It's a very realistic boxing movie. I don't really remember it all that well, but I remember um, when I saw that uh, Karen Kusama had made a horror movie as it was being called back then I was like what but then I found out she made Jennifer's body oh, oh another gem a gem a gem I have not actually seen Jennifer's body it is my joke to make fun of that movie even uh -huh. though I haven't seen it but more and more the more and more I start talking to people about movies because they're starting to realize like I love movies and that's what I'm trying to do with my life is share movies with people I people that I respect their opinions about movies have been time and time again telling me Jennifer's body's great. There's interest in the community to do a 
a la worst podcast idea. Yes, ever. the uh, Jennifer's podcast. Jennifer's podcast. Uh, friend of ours came idea. up with that idea. Uh, I am also, if you respect my opinion, Burge, and high praise for <laughs> Jennifer's body. That movie is fan fucking fantastic. One of, one of those little people I was talking about. Um, a those little, <laughs> one of those little, little people that I that I step over. Whose yes. opinion? Oh, you Jennifer's trust. body. Do you yeah. hear oh, me? Oh, up that's there? cute. You like no, movies? You guys no. can't hear the air quotes, but they're getting thrown around wildly. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is disgusting. We told each other to keep the hands down, but they're really uh, they're, they're out. We digress. But, uh, uh, the invitation, uh, really amazing experience. Um, I, unfortunately, the first time I watched it was all alone. Um, I'm a big believer in seeing movies for the first time with a crowd of people, not even just one or two people. And there's, like, there's literally scientific studies out there that say you, ex- you um, have a better experience in a movie if you're with a crowd. Because when other people laugh, you laugh. And when other people are getting scared, you get scared. And it, it heightens it. Like You don't laugh out loud at comedies by yourself unless it's Justin Timberlake in Popstar. And then you laugh. Like crazy, it's Justin Timberlake and pop star. I'm gonna take your word on he's that one. He's gold. Okay, he's amazing. I think he's in it for about 45 seconds, and it's just. Ugh. But uh, it really shocked me. It got me good head. I mean, you guys have seen. The I've seen it. You've seen I've it. seen it. Yeah. What'd you think of it? I liked it a lot. It's it's one of those movies where, you go in, cold without knowing anything, and as the movie progresses, you sort of, it just teases out who are these people what are their relationship to each other there's obviously tension here from the get-go why is there such tension and the way that the movie is able to dole that out slowly to you and sort of let you uncover this mystery as the characters are sort of figuring it out on their own the tension that 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 builds really really is palpable like it is a is a very tense, very awkward movie. And that opening scene and sets that, it all oh up, man. too. It is, Not getting into anything there. It is, just... it is all of your nightmares of the uncomfortable Thanksgiving dinner with those relatives that say right. words that you really wish they didn't, but, you know, they're your family, so you're forced to do that. That time's about 100. That's actually a lot like uh, the Krisha that I talked to you about that I watched mm-hmm. the other day. Krisha is a lot like that. It's a dinner party, too, and it's like it takes normal events and turns it just into this kind of suspense thriller. Turns that up to a level. On. That's really good. Absolutely. All right. So, Robbie, next in line. Yes. Kick us off. So, I want to talk about Rogue One. On my top five, I believe it's my number the four. Star Wars story? Yeah, it's the, <laughs> that's it's a, a, oh Star Wars. It's a Star Wars story. Mm. Mm. So oh. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Star Wars. It takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I've heard that. Yes, but this is the first kind of like one-off experiment. Not really, you know, drawing from the Skywalker family drama. It's kind of like a side story. Um, that's the Ewok adventure. Oh, geez. Okay, so like the mm-hmm. second adventure, the second venture into this type That's of story. I've only seen or... the Christmas special, so you gotta catch me up. Mm-hmm. We all saw Rogue One, though, right? Everybody mm-hmm. saw. We all saw Rogue One. I saw Rogue One twice. Everybody listening to this probably also saw Rogue One. Unless you're really trying not to see that movie. That's everyone right. pretty much. Saw and it. that's a huge possibility. That <laughs> there are people out there. It's true. My uh, my Fox News watching uh, parents uh, yeah. did not want to go see that. 
Really? Why not? Yeah, well, there's, there's not a lead lot of white fe- people in it. There's so, a lead female yeah. protagonist, which I'm sure there would make a lot of people. There is plenty of white people in all the Star Wars movies, but that's another digression. <laughs> a different topic and different podcast. I'm not saying that they're right. I'm saying that's why they don't want to go see it. They actually did just go see it like last night. Did they enjoy it? they want to talk to me about it, and I'm like, nope. Too late. To Sorry, we're done talking like, about that. Is that like way. you're in trouble, kind of? It's kind <laughs> so of we like got, that. we got to talk about this. <laughs> My mom's like, do you want to go get coffee? We saw Star Wars. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed the flick. It's funny because I feel like every time I talk to people about it, I'm always just like, oh, but I like it. I wasn't sure how I felt about this or I didn't like this. But there's so much about that movie that's so much fun and things that you never thought you would see in a Star Wars movie. And the fact that, like, they kind of create this, like, gray area where, like, you see the Rebellion kind of do some, like, messed up stuff. And, like, it kind of, like, blurs the line between good and evil, which I think is, like, oh. something Star Wars has always needed for quite some time. I mean, the, the rebels are effectively terrorists, depending on the, the side that you go on. Right. Sure. But you actually get to see that more. Like, in that first scene well, with, um, what's his face? Uh, you know. Mads Mikkelsen? Not Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. The guy. Forrest Whitaker. Not Forrest Whitaker. Uh... Uh, oh, independent movie white dude um, that plays the the, the he's imperial not, dude. He's not white. He's not white. He's he's Welcome on the rebellion to side. Guess that Star Wars character. Anyone listening to this is gonna scream at me. He's um, when they're in like he like shoots that guy in the beginning of the movie. Like oh, you know, uh, Diego Luna. That's, um, that's the guy. Not white. It's like Carlos <laughs> Calrissian or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his actual name. Carlos Calrissian. It's like that. It's something yeah, yeah. like that. <laughs> Diego Luna, who's absolutely amazing. He's fantastic. He was fantastic. Like, yeah. He was one of my favorite parts. But like when his first scene, you're just like, oh, this dude's like on the Rebel Alliance, and he like pops that guy mm-hmm. who gives him like the information. You're just like, oh. Yeah, he's man. Bad. It's hard out there. For, <laughs> it's hard out there for a Rebel. Gotta do it what you gotta do. It's cutthroat shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you guys have anything to add to the Rogue One discussion? Anything you want to well, what about? you said earlier about uh, you've always wanted to see a Star Wars movie um, blur the line between like um, the dark side of life and the light side of life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what the entire first trilogy is about with Luke. And it's like it's yeah. all Luke's Luke's story in the original trilogy is is a is a is a one person um, will they won't they. It's like, uh, is he going to turn yeah. at the end? And you're, you're constantly given things that like he's making mistakes throughout all the movies. And then in Return of the Jedi, that's all about that. It's like, is he going to do it? And he throws down the lightsaber. He's like, nah. Not doing it. Nah, that. man. But uh, I get what you mean about, like, that's how they pitch the entire Rogue One movie. Is, yeah. uh, it's it's a darker darker story. So it's a war movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A brutal war movie. A brutal war movie. Well, what I loved about it was you always hear these little snippets in Star Wars that, oh, this happened. Oh, and this happened, and because of that, this led to this. Right, we got those plans. And we got that, and that was great. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. we got all of that external cast that we always kind of wanted to see, but never got the chance to see. So that was great. I love seeing all the little cogs that work towards making these wonderful things Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. And while I I agree with you that it was definitely a fun movie, right, for sure. The one place where it falls a little bit short for me, I'm going to be that jerk who's going to nitpick this, but with these new Star Wars one-off movies, they have an opportunity to just do something different and weird and get you away from that big hero's adventure, bombast kind of thing. And it's so close to really nailing that this is our own story. This is not 
this is not your your protagonist overcomes evil and and wins in the end and it does do that in a way but it's it's just still falls back on that big bombastic space adventure on the end which that battle scene at the end is great it's incredible it's, it's incredible, awesome yeah. mm-hmm. but they have this opportunity i think with these one-off movies to present sort of side stories that are still within the star wars universe but just take a, a new approach to the same and i i feel like the one place where it fell short for me was it did, did kind of go back to leaning on those same the Star Sky Wars tropes. The Skywalker tropes. story. And it's yeah. like there are little tiny things in there. Darth Vader shows up and he's big and it's like... But I like in the very first line that you... It, in every Star Wars movie, the very first line is in a galaxy right. far, far away. It's right. a whole galaxy right. of things. And it's like... And if the Marvel movies have shown us anything, you just got to throw your logo up on there and they'll go see a movie where Paul Rudd can turn into a person the size of an ant. Yeah. Like, they don't need to know anything. Like, if it says Star Wars, it can be about Jin Erso and Carlos Calrissian and <laughs> Donnie Yen. Like, it can be about those guys. But I would say, to use that example of Ant-Man in the Marvel Universe, all those Marvel movies especially lately now that every movie that comes out from marvel is based effectively an avengers movie in itself i mean the new captain america was an avengers movie for all intents and purposes and it's always the fate of the world by the end of the movie you know it's always this super high stakes if we don't pull this off the world is going to be destroyed whereas Mm -hmm. at the end of ant-man they're fighting on a toy a train table oh absolutely (laughs) and having that smaller more condensed story i think is really because of that approach exactly there was a lot in ant-man that i didn't really enjoy but at the end of the day i really liked the movie because it was so detached right from the Mm -hmm. rest of the marvel universe you got little jabs like michael douglas is talking to tony uh, howard stark and you got all these little things like that that just kind of bring it together and that's what was so cool about the first phase of the marvel movies with like thor and captain america the first avenger it was Mm -hmm. all those little tiny oh they just kind of like said like oh there's a guy in a robot suit that's over in new york city you still know you're in the marvel universe exactly yeah and that was a lot of fun and if they could do that with star wars and it doesn't really seem like they're going to be doing that anytime soon because the next Star Wars movies that are coming out are episode eight, uh, Han, Solo. Han Solo solo film, and Han Solo uh, solo, Han Solo, Han solo, solo, solo. Film and episode nine, and then after that, I mean, they want to do like an Obi Wan thing, which I'm totally down with. That's all still speculation. I we know, don't we like, don't know what the next. But like, come on, Stand I know. I also I'm down with that like Boba Fett standalone movie as well that also got talked about i love me some boba fett Fett alone you don't need him (laughs) no just just tell me more about his life the good news is that disney is probably going to continue to make star wars movies until we're actually able to film them in space so we'll get oh we're gonna be dead we everybody at this table will be dead for sure well before star wars starts sooner rather than later probably it's our Mm -hmm. december obligation to go see the new star wars movie for the rest of our lives pretty much they are good bernadette are you ready Sure, yeah. I think the first one that I want to bring up was Hail Caesar, because I think we got these nice little bookends of a movie about movies at the beginning of the year with Hail Caesar, and then a movie about movies at the end of the year with Walla Land. Mm. So I thought 2016 did a really good job of setting it up and trying to get you more in the inner workings of how these things go down, but took it from very different perspectives. Mm. So you guys saw Hail Caesar? I saw Hail Caesar, yes. I did as well. Cool. Yeah, the Cohen brothers rarely disappoint, if ever. And yeah, they take this story of... Lady Killers. Lady Killers. I never saw that one, so... 
That would be why, I guess. Tom Hanks likes that you have not seen Lady Killers. Oh. <laughs> I think he'll be okay, yeah. Yeah, he's okay. He's, <laughs> he's, 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 okay. he's well off. But Hail Caesar was just really cool. It kind of takes this quirky cast of characters and sets them all up in this very short little snippet of life. It takes place, I think, all in like a week. Just trying yeah, to... Yeah, it felt like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. He's trying to make this decision whether he wants to leave this company and go to a different company. And he realizes that, no, this is my life. I put out fires. I make sure that movies get made and that scandals don't get out. And just fun with all the different characters involved. Um, One of my favorite things about the movie is that you get to see these beautiful little up-and-comers like... Alden, I can't remember his last name. Oh, that's a hard That's Alden. almost like Kalajetsky. I can't remember. <laughs> it's like Elden Rich. It's the new Han Solo. The new Han Solo. The solo solo. Yeah, and it takes little Man. snippets of him trying to make movies work, and he's used to doing one thing, and he gets thrown into this very sophisticated mm-hmm. world of film, and he rolls with it. And he really steals the show. Oh, those scenes are against very fun. Ray Fiennes. Against yeah. Ray Fiennes. Against Ray Fiennes. Those scenes were like, perfect. Like, he steals the scene, and Ray Fiennes is right there in front of him talking to him, and you're just like, Ray Fiennes, get out of the way. Yeah. I want to look at this I guy. just want to look at this dude. Would He's that it were so simple. Yeah, just great little snippets. And having, you see how the, like, essentially media represents movies in this film. You have these two sisters, or twins. And they're just trying to get the hot scoop on what's going on on the Hollywood lot. And I think that's great. And That movie is yeah. jam-packed. It's full of stuff. With talent. There are so many. Yeah, they really many... show up, too. Like, oh, rapid Jonah fire, too. Jonah has one scene or and something. And he kills like, it. And he His kills scene it. is then, amazing. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, like, wasn't that big of a part either. Like, she was no. important in, like, pushing the story forward, which is, that's any Coen Brothers movie. Like, anybody like, the person that's pumping the gas at the car right. that just shows up for one scene is very important in pushing it forward. But uh, I found it really crazy how it's, like, even Channing Tatum's character in that has, like, a twist in yeah. there. And, and man, that... Which also, too, that, that, that whole sailor that scene, dance scene is, is so good, amazing. It puts Definitely. La La Land to shame. It and does. I will say that, yeah. as a really big La La Land fan, that sailor dance musical number... So good. ...in Hail Caesar is... Oof, it's beautiful. It's one of those rare films that when you see the trailer and you see all of these different people that are going to be in this film, and then you watch the film and you're like, man, I just kind of got like an extended cut of the trailer. That's basically what I just watched. Mm-hmm. Typically, I don't like that. And that kind of bugs me when you go to a movie and you're like, I saw all these scenes already in the trailer. But Jonah Hill is in one scene in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's a scene you see in the trailer. Pretty much all, the whole thing. And they're all thing. recognizable actors, And they're too. great. Right. Maybe that's kind of like a callback to like how, how, how movies used to work. It was always the same. Like, the same, like, you had, like, your set 20 actors and actresses. And, like, yep. they were all in the same movies together and just would pop up. Yep. And you'd be like, um, oh, there's Peter Sellers just uh, playing the, that the market man, selling the apples to the, the lovely couple. And yeah. impressive, really, how they took that many actors and actresses that are all big names and fit them all in their own piece of the story sense, without yeah. stepping on each other. They all felt very solid. Yeah. No one was overstepping any boundaries. No one was throwaway. No one was... Everybody yeah. had their moment. And it was super funny, too. It was That's very the, funny. I didn't funny. expect it to be that funny. Because Coen Brothers movies, the comedies, they can be very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Hail Caesar didn't, I didn't feel like I was going to laugh out loud, and I really did. And that's like the, uh, I read something about this, this is what a lot of people have been saying about Hail Caesar, is some people kind of thought it was okay, but if anybody else 
had like again this is not my my saying like people are saying this all over the place if anybody else had made that movie they would be uh, saying it's such an achievement oh, because right. like being able to balance all those actors and all those different tones and all those nonsense things and George Clooney only the Coen brothers could really pull that off and because we've grown accustomed to expecting excellence and perfection from the Coen brothers it kind of just gets lost in it it's like you know the lady killers might actually be a very good movie but because i've seen blood simple 188 <laughs> times and right. fargo and the big lebowski even more than that i've come to be like no 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 i know that you guys let's go Where, mm-hmm. where's the goods so when they put out something where they were genuinely having fun and just trying to do something that was artistic and of worth you kind of you judge them on a different scale and i it i don't think we've figured out that that's where the coen brothers have led into you know we we haven't figured out yet that they're like they are they're spielbergs now like they're like every movie that spielberg puts out is an amazing movie right. but we judge it based on like was it jaws was it close encounters right. it's was still it these spielberg. classics it's still spielberg that bridge of spies is absolutely amazing from the other year but it got looked over because it's like a spielberg it's talking. another right. spielberg movie right same with lincoln and i'm yeah. curious as the oscars come around whether you guys think Hail Caesar will get any sort of recognition because if there's one thing the Academy loves, it's movies about movies. But mm-hmm. if there's one thing that the Academy hates, it's the Coen Brothers. Mm. So. Yes. They got La La Land. They don't need Hail Caesar. Yeah. yeah. Very unfortunate for Hail Caesar yeah. to come out yeah. the same year as La La Land. Good for La La you for bringing it up, though, because I do, especially with it being an early 2016 movie, I think it's overlooked a lot. But mm-hmm. it was definitely a gem. Yeah. Well, I think that's the failure, too. I think a lot of movies come out early in the year. You know, you want to get your movie in. Right before Oscar right. season, if it's you know, not those December, last three months of no the year. No one's going to remember you. Yeah, it's a shame, but mm-hmm. I agree with you on the fact that you said when you go to see movies with people, with an audience, you right. have a better time. I will say with the Coen Brothers, I've always enjoyed going to the cinema because it's not a full cinema, but it's all the right people. Right. Mm. And so yeah, it really right, right, adds right. to the You're enjoyment. Not get, like the regular Joes out to go see Hail, Hail Caesar. Caesar. No, oh, yeah. no. So that was great. I went and there were maybe I don't know forty people tops in the movies that I went to see and it was great we were all rolling mm. and I think that added to it yeah that's great it's great laughing in a room with strangers yeah because you're all experiencing the same story mm-hmm. it's amazing and I'm going to roll that right into my my first pick which is my favorite movie of the year which is The Witch mm. because I saw The Witch in a theater of I think myself my one friend that came with me and then three women that sat in front of me the credits rolled up and the women in front of me, one of the women in front of me, I distinctly heard say, that was the worst movie ever, which pretty much defines, I think, <laughs> maybe why I like that movie so much, but it is, okay, have you guys seen The Witch? I have not seen I've The Witch. Seen, I've, I've not. seen The Witch. Not seen the witch you yet. haven't seen it? I either? haven't. It's just me I would like you know. to. Just, just us. All right. I got, I got some thoughts about oh, you man. The Witch this much. Oh, I, I, <laughs> don't give me, I love The Witch. The Witch is an amazing movie. But that is a dirty, hateful, like... Oh, it's dark. It's dark. I couldn't... And that's, I think, why I think it's so effective. Because, and I think the the expectations that people had going into The Witch, because it did get some really, really high critical praise, um, people saw this trailer of a movie that looks like your kind of -of run-of-the-mill, like, horror movie. Mm -hmm. um, And really, it's it's a mood piece. marketed that so wrong. Absolutely, the total wrong way. But horror movies are typically very right. difficult. But I mean, to this market. was like you know, like an artistic. Uh, this is an art house movie. Expression from 
Robert Eggers. Eggers. Eggers? It's his first movie, too. His first, he was a screenwriter prior to that, but and this is his first movie. What did he write? I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, but man, that'd be interesting. But um, what I enjoy so much about the movie is the... the it is It is beautiful, for one. Every shot in that movie is amazing, and the atmosphere that Eggers is able to pull off is so oppressive and so much... He puts you in the mindset of the people of the era where you are living in New England um, in, in colonial times and basically everything sucks. Like, <laughs> you are oppressed by the church, you are oppressed by by the weather, you are oppressed by the your inability to grow crops in this awful New England soil, and it pervades, the, the that feeling of uncomfort pervades the whole movie. It's not mm-hmm. the kind of horror movie where you're seeing a lot of horrific or grotesque things on screen. It's just, it just envelops you throughout in this sort of chilling cold um, that really, I think, sinks into the bone. And the, the amount of detail that, that Eggers put into the movie historically with using lines um, directly taken from manuscripts and letters and court documents of Salem Witch Trial era um just documents documentation um really i think puts you in that sense of place you um, feel like you're there. like you, you got to take a shower after this right, movie right yeah you want so you need a hug dirty. after this movie Ugh. because it is just so oppressive yeah and it's like in a movie that was filled with like uh, a movie a year that was filled with such great horror movies right the witch is like a really is is like a good little tent pole moment right there uh and it's like black philip Mm, it's definitely in my top five uh, of the year, like new villains. But there's so many, like David from The Invitation, right? Uh, is great. At, uh, I mean, and I don't, I don't mean that for that to be a spoiler or anything. He is the aggressor in that. He is the one that you are suspicious about, and it's that suspicion jump. that. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Black Philip. Is is that is that goat doing something over there? Right. Or is it all in everybody's head because they've just been isolated for so long? Right, they're on isolated, this stupid, dirty, they're starving dark farm. Very superstitious, and it and I think it does a really good job in handling that era of Salem witch trial hysteria, where people are are driven to the point of you know the edge of survival. I mean, especially in the wintertime in that era, most people didn't make it. Mm. So you can see how that paranoia would sink in to a family and how they would turn on each other and why specifically something like the Salem witch trials, a very real historical time period could come about. He Um, makes it seem really realistic that this family would turn like a a, a loving mother who's, you know, a little um, hysterical and so is the father, but still loving. They're taking care of their children in like in, in just one scene completely turn on each just other. switches and it feels real it doesn't feel forced at all and you never see it coming all of a sudden it's just there and it's a complete change and it's horrifying uh to see that happen from a family member and mm-hmm. they they really get that down like that it's a dirty movie it's it makes it feel so bad <laughs> it's bad you should feel bad when you watch that <laughs> movie it's not a feel-good movie although if you do like living deliciously there's that um <laughs> From the outside looking in, it seemed kind of like Michael Haneke. Like it seemed similar to like yeah. movies that he's done. Yeah. Just looking at it stylistically, and it's wardrobe a movie with a and lot of style. And, and the yeah. And Eggers has has gone out on record 
about how much of a nerd he was time period wise mm -hmm. for getting all the clothing right and explaining like oh well we had to make the house a little bit bigger than we than it would have been during the time period mm -hmm. because it just would have been impossible to film but mm -hmm. most of the film is natural lighting so during it's take taking place during the day shot outside mm -hmm. no stage lighting the lighting on, on within the house is without stage lighting so you have that that dark candlelight scene where they're all at dinner and they're all this is where the paranoia is yeah, just Barry, starting to Barry sink Linden in it, in that like, which like the candle lighting in Barry in Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon is like that's one of the best parts about it and when I saw that shot I was watching it with a group of friends I saw the witch luckily not by myself but like a group of like really close friends about like maybe seven or eight and um, everybody was like grossed out and I was the only one that was just like what is this yeah it was making me so upset and uh, I think I had literally just watched the invitation for the first time like the week before so I was just very tense and I think to that to that effect it that can go either way, I think, that watching movies in a group, because it's the kind of movie that if you're watching it in the group and everyone shuts the hell up and lets you kind of, because it's such an atmosphere-based movie, if someone's cracking wise or, or talking over the movie, it's going to break you out of the atmosphere immediately, yeah. and you're not, that oppression is not going to sink in. Luckily, when I'm in the room. Yeah, everyone shuts the hell up. <laughs> <and don't> talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was by far my favorite movie of the year and one that I came back to several times and got more uh, out of each time I saw it especially because I've of always, that I've still only seen it the once and I really want to see it again but I'm like saving it well the, the way that the all the dialogue is in old English and sort of a lot of hushed kind of whispers and tones and stuff like that um, you get more out of the dialogue each each viewing because it is easy to miss some of the things that they say um and those twins. Those twins are creepy. That is the creepiest set of twins that since is, The Shining. And that's kind of what I'm... That's what movies. I mean <laughs> in that you catch more the more you view it because the twins are always just babbling on and on and, and it's kind of hard to hear exactly what they're saying but the more you hear what they're actually saying the more clued in you get that there's more afoot. <laughs> okay. Who's next? I think, Mike, that brings us back to you. Okay. Um, I guess, uh, which one should I talk about next? What do you want to do? How about we do Moonlight? Who else here saw Moonlight? Did anybody else here see Moonlight? Oh, You're the only, one. the only one. Guys. Not yet. There it is. That's a heady topper from you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Enjoy. Um, is that advertising? We could just bleep it out. Sure. Right. Uh, the Moonlight is... Uh, it's a... a tr um, I don't want to say a triumph. That looks better on... like That's what I wrote. That's a nice write quote. Up for it. That's a good pull quote. That's a pull quote. That's something that looks really good in writing, but coming out, like, saying triumph, like, there's so much more that you can say about the movie, and it's just... It's it's uh, it's passionate... It's beautiful. It's sense. It's so sensitive. It's like you feel like you could hurt this movie's feelings just by watching it in the wrong way. I'm s totally serious. I believe that. I saw it at the. I saw it in a very small, cheap uh, second-run theater, just outside of town, um, up in Poughkeepsie, uh, and it was me and one other person with me, and then four other people in the in the room, and. It was such an intimate movie 
and to watch it with people that I don't really necessarily think they knew what they were getting into. <laughs> At one point, uh, one of the people in the back, because it's a very slow movie, it's very realistic, but it's very tense, and I couldn't believe this guy did this, but someone in the back was driven to the point about 45 minutes into the movie when... Oh. Like audibly, like you can hear it, th- it echo throughout the theater, it's and it's just smoke. like like everybody like turned around and looked at this guy, and and he was just like, oh, sorry, <laughs> and like went down. And I was like, dude, like, and I don't know, like if uh, I wanted to talk to him afterwards, but he ran away as soon as he was <laughs> yeah, pretty I mean, no, he didn't run away. Like I was glued to my seat during the credits because I was like, what did I just see? Yeah, uh, and he just like briskly got up and he's like, it's Wednesday, and just like left. But it's uh, Moonlight is um, it very much deserved uh, what little awards it got at the Golden Globe. It deserved drama, absolutely. Um, I saw Manchester by the Sea. We saw uh, it. Actually, we saw we saw it together. Um, we did. And uh, I really liked Manchester by the Sea. It was everything about it was done very well. I can't even start to list off the things about it that were done just right. But it just did not connect with me. And I honestly think that one of the main reasons it didn't connect with me is because I had just seen La La Land for the first time the night before. So I was like in this like huzzah, hopeful <laughs> kind of joyous life, and then like I, I'm all of a sudden just like Casey Affleck being watching Casey Affleck for like two hours. Oh god! But I I I always say this is like Manchester by the Sea didn't make it onto my top sixteen. Um, and every and people have asked me about that. They're like, it didn't even make it onto the sixteen. Like I thought maybe somewhere in there and it was like ah, it just did not connect to me i want to watch it again because i know how well it was made but moonlight is that is that like uh like trying to grab the awards kind of feeling that it has but it totally wasn't trying to do that and it just naturally got there you know manchester by the sea has returning oh. academy award nominees like casey affleck michelle williams michelle williams should totally win for that, and Casey Affleck should totally win as well. Except I want my boy Baby Goose to win for La La Land. Yeah, I don't know so much if I would say I want Casey Affleck to win. I mean, I would he's give it really to good. his son in that movie without going too far into uh, into Manchester by the Sea. I thought the son was a really good supporting role. Oh, the um, the nephew. The no, oh, yeah, he's yeah. the nephew because he's uh, Kyle Chandler's son, and the family's last name is Chandler, and I was very confused by that. He plays a person whose last name is the same as his That's last always name. Weird. I know it shouldn't be confusing, but I'm simple. Like, uh, <laughs> really confused. Like, What's the last name of the family? Um, but no, Moonlight, like, since none of you guys have talked about it, I've already kind of said what was really good about it. It's just, it's, uh, it's just essential viewing. Absolutely. I would, I would love to take you to go see it. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's challenging and it's all about love, and it's a healing movie. Most of my top five have all been healing movies. They're meant to heal and to make you feel better. And for this one, to tackle um, uh, uh, homophobia and racism, and there's some sexism in there too, just for fun. Uh, Like for it to take all of these things head on in such a small, intimate movie that, that, that goes through so much time it's absolutely mind-blowing. You have to see it. It's very hard to put it into words. But Moonlight, like that's that's why that's why it was in my top five of the year. It's just that uh, I can't, I cannot wait, I cannot wait, and I am scared to see that again. Excellent. It's a good movie then. All right, Robbie, you are up next. Let's talk about the lobster. 
right. Speaking yeah, of feel good movies, we can like work our way really back sad. to happy at some point. Speaking of healing, uh, Lobster is my number one movie on my list. Uh, I love the Lobster as much as I also like never want to see it again. Uh, that is not a feel good movie. Definitely, a, that was cool. Never want to see that. Yeah, again. it's like I'm good. I felt I'm good. The exact <laughs> you guys had talked to me about it a lot, and I felt the exact opposite when I finally got to watching it. And yeah. I, uh, I can't wait to watch that movie again. I do think it's one of those movies that, like, when you get to the end of it, it like, it's, like, it makes the whole movie different. Right. You know, it's like you get to the end of it and you're just like, oh, I have to go see, I have to watch the whole thing again and understand it. But like, set up for us what the lobster is, because I think thus far we've just gone right into talking discussion. about discussion <laughs> of the movie without actually setting up any of these movies. But well, so the lobster it takes place in a absurdist dystopia where. Um, People who are not coupled are sent to this mansion where they have 40 days to find a lover. Um, if they do not find another mate, they are turned into an animal of their choosing. Which is a very absurd it setup. It is for actually so insane. insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he did a decent job. Well, yeah. just to imagine the world populated by animals, and then you think, oh, all of those animals are people yeah, that, that were coupled off. Yeah, that dog was my brother. Well, that's like what's yeah, so cool about the great. movie is, you know, I remember watching the... Oh, should we not... Mm. Hmm. Let's you, avoid spoilers, spoilers as much as possible. Yes. Okay, we've been doing really good so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by jumping directly into the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start talking about what it's yeah. about, you start kind of getting into like, yeah. especially with something like the lobster, that it's revealed what it's really about halfway through. And yeah. holy moly, were there some points in the lobster that are spoilable that were just really just hard, just hard, yeah. hard, just, just hard, hard to really sit through. A rough, um, rough time. If the movie wasn't so sweet, you'd think it hates you. Oh, the movie definitely hates it you. I have no qualms about that. That's kind of sweet. You're wrong. <laughs> You're absolutely wrong. So we'll just watch it again. All right, that's fine. Um, I sweet guess, like, in the pull out all of your teeth because it's too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I like how we're in a single location for most of the movie, and then we kind of see more of that world and what the rules of that world is. If we are in this like absurdist dystopian world where people have to be coupled, they kind of open the scope a little bit more later in the movie, and it's brilliant. Like, the way like the way they kind of, you kind of see how these rules um, are engaged with throughout the different characters in the world, how there's, like, people who are not about it, there are people who are about it, and it's, it's, very, it's a very interesting movie. I really liked it. It's something that really struck me with with The Lobster is it's, it's the kind of setting that, is already established before you get there. And it does not care to really take the time to describe to you every detail about the world. Yeah. It, and it, absurdist is the perfect way to describe yeah. it because this world is what it is and it's very different from what we experience, but it exists already and you as the viewer are kind of thrown in cold mm -hmm. and it, it reveals that to you by showing you the rules of this, of this very different right. society where and magic and society and it just it's is what there. it is it, and yeah and it doesn't care to really take the time to explain to you why these things mm -hmm. are or how they came to be this way it's just this is how it is there's and, like one major rule in the movie and it's like it's set up in the beginning it's in like in the first 10 minutes of the movie where they're like all right what animal do you want to be in case you fail right and, and it commits and, to that yeah in a way that's really and then it's answered just like a lobster and like there's no just like what 
animal? Oh, jeez. It's just like, I want to be a lobster. Is there a bisexual option? (laughs) No, he explains why he wants to be a lobster. He explains why he wants to be a lobster. No, yeah. Being an absurdist comedy and calling it the lobster, right off the bat when the movie started, I was like, they're not going to explain why he picked a lobster. Maybe at the end that'll be the thing. Mm -hmm. But I really like his reasoning behind why he'd be a lobster. And then there's another (laughs) character, uh, Ben Wishaw, who explains why that's a bad idea but he also explains the way everybody else's oh of course and so you're just like that movie's also secretly hilarious it is it is a dark comedy that's why i'm like why don't you want to see that again because i laughed so i laughed a lot too but there you know there are some scenes that that might be one of my favorite comedies there are two scenes in that movie that i feel like i need to talk to somebody professionally yes because it cut me that deep first funny yeah they're rough yeah Yeah. they're rough they're They're rough. rough they're rough Oh, yeah. uh, and I'm glad that everybody's finally getting on board the Colin Farrell train with me. Oh, oh yeah. of course. I have been... I have hey, man, been, I've been uh, there since... We're all on that train. Yeah, we're all on that train. I know, I know, but you guys, like, that's that's why I've, I've brought you in to be close with me <laughs> yeah. and be one with me. In our applications, so we, we did have to check like, off the the Colin Farrell. There was just yeah, a box right. that said Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, like, sure. I, I, I have been shoveling coal into the engines of the Colin Farrell train <laughs> since days that would be embarrassing for me to, like, mention, like, him and Minority Report, I remember the first time I saw him in Minority Report, I was like, here we go. That's my favorite actor ever, right there. There he is. And then he made Alexander, and I was like, I still love you. And then, and then he made what? Bullseye. Bullseye. Yeah. Oh god, with with the Irish accents. Oh. And he's Irish. He is Irish. And he's got a he shitty Irish. Irish accent. Yeah. Is that his real accent? I think the director of Daredevil said, "No, wait, Colin, can you make that shittier for us?" Yeah. Yeah. Can you just make that John garbage. John Favreau, the uh-huh. director of Daredevil. Uh-huh. Did he really direct that, or was he just in it? You threw that out there, man. That's yeah, like, I did just throw it out. Yeah, I just that. remembered. I was like, <laughs> "There's no way." He plays Doug Favreau in Daredevil. Well there. There's no. There's no, no way. way there's right. no way. Wait. I'm upset if he did. Okay. Because that is. I mean, it shows his rise to. Kevin Smith wrote it. Someone out there is screaming. Right now, <laughs> listening to this, we can't hear you. We Someone don't know has upset. thrown their phone into the. I've Hudson. got the director's cut of Daredevil right over there. Okay, we need to get off Daredevil. It's got it's got Coolio. Oh, Robbie, was, take us back. Take us back to the say, lobster. Going back to the lobster. All right, everyone, think about turning into animals, darkness, sadness. Watch out for love. the Daredevil podcast coming soon. Oh my gosh! Uh, that well, actually, I'm gonna write that down. Um, well, you guys were talking about how different it was. This very different world that they set up, and while it is very different on the page. It's a really sad commentary on how we treat each other through social media. You get on Facebook and you see, oh, so-and-so had a baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so-and-so is in a relationship. Oh, so-and-so did this. And it's just like constant bashing of like, you are alone. Right. And how sad that is. It's and I think it was cold. just sad. It takes that coldness cold to the most extreme To the most yes. extreme level. level. Absolutely. And it, like, it makes you just does feel... It beautifully. It does do it beautifully. I mean, it's it's such a fantastic movie, and like I only speak. It's my number one movie, and I only speak to how uncomfortable it made me feel because I think that's like a thing. And I think like the movies on my top five list are movies that really like emotionally like affected me, good or right. bad. Yeah. Like you know, there's movies where it's like you leave it just like I'm a different person. Well, the Lobster is <laughs> also in my top five, and I think to your point, Mike, about it being you having a healing one. All my movies in my top five hurt pretty bad. Yeah. In a, yeah. Um, I think we're going to take a break here. Um, We've been talking for like 45 minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah, that really good. Pretty but, good. Uh, yeah, Let's get this to three our, days. This is our first one, and I think it's so far so good. So we'll take a little break here and be back in just a second.
Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the very first episode of Story Screen Presents. We had a lot of fun recording this and we're looking forward to a lot more podcasts in the future and we hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, in the meantime, check out StoryScreenBeacon.com where you'll find a bunch of great articles written both by the voices on this podcast as well as a whole host of other great writers. Likewise, while you're there, check out our screenings list for February. We've got a lot of great shows coming up this month, including Casablanca and The Fly and West Side Story. Um, all right, that's enough of my canned radio voice. Let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Story Screen 2016 recap, our very first Story Screen podcast. Um, we're going to keep right on rolling, and I think, Bernadette, you are next. All right. We talked about it a little bit in the past, but I think something that we should talk about is Deadpool, because that kind of takes mm-hmm. that whole superhero thing, kind of turns it on its head, and does it and approaches it in a really fun way. Turns it on its ass. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love anything that breaks the fourth wall well. And this does it super well. When you're watching an opening credit scene and none of the actual names of the actors are there, it's just assholes and right. yeah. heroes and villains. Beautiful. Just so well done from the get-go. It's so easy to break the fourth wall badly. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's sort of Deadpool's thing to break the fourth wall, but it... It, it works do, it so nailed well. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you think, <clears throat> listener? I get it. Yeah, you broke yeah, the fourth wall. Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. <laughs> that was doing it in a bad way. Right. Someone, yeah, someone just wrote their car right off. Listener was trying to think of a bad way. Uh-huh. That's that's a bad one. But yeah, it was just a a fun take into this like really seedy part of what it takes to be a hero, and I think a lot of superhero movies like Iron Man deals with all of this. Spider Man, all of Batman deals with like what does it mean to be a human but then to also be a hero on top of that. And how do you take apart those two worlds? And Deadpool, he just kind of got like thrown into it just like because he made a bad decision. But it ended up being a good decision because mm-hmm. he got all these extra abilities and can regrow body parts. And he's just ridiculous. But he doesn't really struggle so much with, like, who am I when I'm not Deadpool? Right. Well, who am I also, when I'm Wade Wilson? He didn't have but, a choice. No, be, he didn't. Yeah, exactly. He just kind of got thrown into it. But I like... He takes it head on. He was like, no, I'm just kind of like this person all the time. I just yeah. happen to be beating people up at also, this point. Also, he's kind of awful. Yeah. As a human being. <laughs> he's a pretty awful human being, like, even right. before everything that happens to him. But I think it's yeah. cool that, you know, Wade Wilson is, like, it's funny how vain the character is. Because, right. like, because his, like, physical, like, human form is now scarred and disfigured, like, he's he kind of throws away Wade Wilson. He's like, I'm just Deadpool now. So it's kind of like, it's good for us as the audience and it makes this hero for us, but it's... He's like a very vain superhero in that way. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point of, yeah, self-destruction, because he throws mm-hmm. away everything he loves because he thinks people will only view him as he would view him, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, a struggle on his own. Yeah. So that's what he deals with, not who am I, but who can love me when my most best asset, my looks, are yeah. now gone. Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, it works out to be self-destructive when you're literally invincible. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, it's just oh. funny. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I, I was that. chewing on that one for a That's second a before one. I said it. Yeah, mm-hmm. thanks, thanks. Uh, but it's just funny. It's just oh, a yeah. funny movie. Like, more... I mean, the Marvel movies have... The, the 
Disney Marvel movies have nailed mm-hmm. a sense of humor, I think, that's pretty distinctive to them. Mm-hmm. But the Deadpool movie is just so gleeful in the way that it plays with violence, um, especially... And it's unlike any Sony-owned, like, Marvel movie. Like, it's not like X-Men. It's not like... Is that Fox? Oh, Fox. Yeah. Well, Fox and Sony, right? Sony has Sony's Spider-Man. Sony has Spider-Man. Fox is what you uh, mean. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is Sony's Fox. Fox. Yeah, but yeah. still, like, so, like, the X-Men movies, like, they're all very, like, kind of grounded. Pretty moments grim, of dark. humor. But they are dark. Yeah. Whereas, like... And Deadpool, like, kind of directly makes fun of them like, right. constantly. And it's, it's so good. And then went with the hard R. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which like kind of created sci-fi, a huge... or not sci-fi, uh, comic book movie, which yeah. I'm sure we will see a lot more of. more of, considering that movie made a lot of oh, money. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, like you know, Logan is coming out this year, mm. and that's going to be, and that's a I hard, that's the hardest that R I've ever seen. <laughs> I hope that movie's Come on, good. Man. Johnny Cash Wolverine movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it, I get it. I heard. Yeah. Would anyone yeah, play yeah. The Last of Us? Because it also is like it's like this weird like Last of Us narrative. What's Last of Us? Last of Us is a uh, video game. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's... Uh, Heads up for the Story Screen Presents video games podcast. Maybe one day. Uh-huh. Um, but if you look at kind of like the... Like, you know, Last of Us is about this uh, this guy who, like, he loses family in the beginning of the story, and then there's this kind of, like, zombie apocalypse that takes place, and the, mo- the majority of the story takes place, like, post that event. But it's about him kind of, like, finding his humanity in this, like, girl he finds, and, like kind of himself becoming more human and emotionally like guarded world. letting Ex- that guard mm-hmm. down to become and literally available. visually he looks like joel he pretty much looks he's like joel. exactly yeah. the uh-huh. same right. yeah joel joel is the name of the main character in last of us and they like, looks like joel logan wolverine wolverine, oh. wolverine. <laughs> logan logan mm-hmm. the titular character weapon x yes. weapon x that's the guy yes oh. hugh jackman <laughs> right that guy james howlett uh-huh what what his real name, guys. Anyway, whatever. Is that actually his real name? Yeah, it's his name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. What? <laughs> I have to go. Uh, that was one of the things about Deadpool. Uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll take the, the heat on this. I did not enjoy Deadpool too much. Um, really? I didn't. Uh, I did not see it in a movie theater. Mm. Big mistake. Big mistake. That would mm. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this would have been so much fun with just like a group of idiots just like yeah. let's watch this movie yeah um and uh which to that point real quick i saw it in a movie theater in sweden and during the ikea scene that movie theater was shitting their pants with laughter right. they <laughs> ate it up throwing the meatballs IKEA. at the screen oh my god <laughs> they were just screaming there's a, there's a lot of yeah, idiots yeah. in sweden well they, they... <laughs> nice nice thanks Oh, because Ikea's from Ikea's Sweden. from, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Meatballs, get it. Right. I get it. I <laughs> Self-destructive. <laughs> when you're invincible. When you're invincible. Yeah. God, I'm still mm-hmm. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, write that down. Uh, but I found um, Deadpool, the best parts about it when is when they were uh, mixing the action and the comedy yes. evenly. You yes. Know, when he wasn't trying to be too fu- Like, the funniest joke in that is, uh, I don't remember where, where it's placed in the movie, I think it's towards the beginning is the uh, the highway. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's, opening. that's like the opening. Yeah, that's the opening. Yeah. They come back the, to the, it. The, yeah. yeah, and they come back to it because that's what I was remembering. There's a lot of it's non-linear. time hopping yeah. in it. It's cool. Um, but that uh, everything in there, like the gags mixed with the violence and like that hard R language and like what they can get away with both visually and, uh, and through the dialogue, that's what I found to be the most engaging about Deadpool. I didn't find like 
anything else in Deadpool engaging. I found it entertaining. For sure. And that's totally what it's supposed to be, but that's what we've talked about before uh, uh, with the, like, the difference between movies and film. Mm-hmm. Not to be a snob or anything. It's just like This film, is a podcast about movies. We're going to be a... It's for snob. movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and, movie, like, and movies are supposed to be entertaining and films are supposed to uh, make you uh, contemplate and think and change and stuff like that. And Deadpool has things in it that are deep such as a man being self-destructive will right. also be right. invincible. Right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's super deep. It's really it's good. My ego is being stroked thoroughly. From it's really, really, really And the hand job you're getting right now. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, I, found it, I, I found it more entertaining than engaging. And as the first off Deadpool movie, like the, or the first off uh, rated R uh, superhero movie, I can get down with that. Like, okay. Let's not forget about Blade. But that's Which neither one? here nor there. <laughs> I like the second uh, he, Blade Ryan movie. Reynolds is in the third Bring It All Around. That's Ryan Reynolds <laughs> in the third Blade, Trinity, Blade movie. Right. He's got a great line in that, too. Uh, is that uh, li- liquid ga- gas? Like He like he like, turns silver into air or something? I don't know. Look out for our Blade podcast coming soon. Ugh. <laughs> what I, uh, one of the things I was not super hot on with Deadpool, because I really did enjoy the movie thoroughly, and I, I, I think it stands apart from every this is a jam-packed superhero year and deadpool i really enjoyed because it was so different but uh i do think the fact that it's kind of all rolled into this origin story movie that is like kind of anchored in a love story was kind of a turnoff to me not that you can't tell a good story that way but i've just seen it so many the superhero fatigue before. is real yeah i mean right. every year is a jam-packed superhero year. yes but like pretty this much origin until... story thing is just like like he, it was. They definitely did like a fun thing with it, and they have to kind of give Deadpool origin story, I guess. Well, but they like, technically already did with well, Wolf, <laughs> the, <laughs> Wolverine, which they poke fun at in the movie. That's awesome. Which I think Fox just hopes that you either did not see or just have completely forgotten about at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Their timeline's getting a little bit uh, fuzzy there. But. James Howlett's hair is perfect in mm-hmm. um, Wolverine Origins. That's how his hair should always be. Again, that's Logan. That's, <laughs> that's Logan. That's um, Wolverine. That's Weapon X. The, I, I, as any of the other names that Wolverine has that everybody knows him by. Pick the one. Well, now you know. Yeah, I think it's yeah worth noted that this probably isn't on the same level as all these other films that we've been talking about during this time. Was nominated. Definitely was nominated, yeah. Golden Globes. But, yeah, it's definitely worth talking about. Because, yeah, it's just a fun movie. It's trying to do something that's been done to death before in a different way. For sure. Which I think is really important. Yes, agreed. Yeah. All right, Robbie, you're next up. Let's see. Let's talk about... Hmm? You? Robbie's next. What do you got? Let's talk about uh, Don't Think Twice. So, this is a movie that's kind of, like, about improv, about people doing improv, um, kind of a little bit about me. Uh, At the beginning of 2016, I started taking classes at UCB. It's become, like, kind of, like, my new favorite thing to do. I love doing improv. I love learning about improv. And then at the end of the year, I actually saw Don't Think Twice only, you know, a few weeks before making my top five list, and I fell in love with the movie. Like, really, because I, I felt like it spoke personally to me, so which is why I made it, like, on my top five list, but I just love the performances in it. I love, like, the kind of intimacy of that movie while still being, like, really funny and really quick. Um, Burge, I know you also saw You're the one who recommended it to me. Aw. Really sweet boy. I mean, you'd like it. Mike Birbiglia. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. good. All of them. Key or Peele. What's that? Key or Peele is in that movie. Key. 
Yes. Key. Yes. Key. I also key. am not too uh, well affirmed. I don't watch the show. The key and the peel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, just, I don't know which one is which, but I. It's key. They're always key together. This is like it's the only Michael movie where they're not. Key or, yeah. You know, see exactly. Safe. You can't tell. Uh, it's Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. It's Jordan right. Peele. I think it's Mike. Got Mike out coming out in February. That's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked. I liked. Um, you know, Burge, you're the one who told me that like all of the improv that they did in the movie because they do a lot of like on stage improv is actually improv and uh, as much as that's also like super impressive, the the camera work in that movie uh, like is also improvisational like improvisational because they have to like kind of track their movements and I thought right. like that was such like you know if I was to imagine like any like that's the way to do a filmed improv scene is to have have that camera like really gently weaving in and out and kind of like showing all the action it was really really well done it's really smooth for something that's so heavily uh improvised you know it's like the same can be said with like acting when you're improvising when you're acting the same can be said for when you're improvising you know cinematography and photography it's like it's it's very natural you have to find just the right Mm -hmm. spot there's a del close uh quote in the movie um and del close is like kind of the founding father of like modern improv but he said good improv is like um people are already flying in the air and they're putting the plane together as they're flying right along those lines and Mm -hmm. i do think you know if you you know i think a lot of us at the table right now have had like some improv experience i think we can Mm -hmm. all speak to that is like when you're nailing it that is that feeling and in the movie like when people are jiving together and you're seeing that happen you you kind of see that quote come to life and it's really cool they also just do a good job of kind of explaining this like really obtuse thing that people decide to do, um, even at the beginning of the movie, to kind of like explain the history, explain the rules, uh, even like, maybe better than my original one one teacher. I don't know, but like, <laughs> it really is a yeah. good like one on one lesson on what improv oh, yeah. is as far as like comedy goes. And it's so efficient the way they explain it to you. I I just love that movie. It's great. It's, a, it's fantastic. You haven't seen that one? I haven't seen it yet. Is it similar to Sleepwalk With Me in tone? Uh, Not really. It's much more... Uh, I like Sleepwalk With Me personally more. Okay. Uh, because I think it's my I, personal I story. I've and seen Mike Birbigli is, is a very personal personality. If yes. That makes sense. Yes. Um, and I've also watched Sleepwalk With Me so many times. That was actually one of Story Screen's first screenings was Sleepwalk With Me. Oh, very cool. a private screening just for friends. I think this might be also weird to say, but I think Sleepwalk With Me feels less uh, scripted than... Right. Than uh, uh, I mean, Don't yeah, Think Twice. There is, there is a... Because uh, the, the action that is not improvisational in the movie, like, can... There are times where it feels, like, potentially melodramatic or, like, really trying not to be melodramatic and, like, those moments in, like, you know, there's, like... A character who, uh, like, there's a show called Weekend Live, which, you know, is Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it funny. works, too. It's, it's awesome. so good. It's very, you know, it's, again, that movie is very efficient. Um, but, like, one of the like one of the main, like, kind of drama in the movie is a character in their improv troupe gets selected to be on Weekend Live, and everyone kind of has to deal with that, and it's, like, you know, about them being, like, can you, like, give my, you know, sketch script to so-and-so and do this? And, you know, he's kind of, like, gets too big for his britches or is, like, kind of fighting that. But those moments, like, you know, I think it's, like, it's a good story, but it does feel really scripted. Whereas, like, Sleepwalk With Me is, like, I forget it's not like, a, a personal design. documentary about, <laughs> like, for big that way. Right. It is, because he did have mm-hmm. sleepwalking problems. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, in ter- but I, I think in terms of, like, comedy movies and, like, 
a love letter to improv, Don't Think Twice is, like, so good. Like, really almost perfect execution. Wow. Awesome. All right. Uh, my next uh, movie is Bone Tomahawk. So Mike has already thrown me some flack on this one because technically Bone Tomahawk came out in 2015. You can pick whatever you want, man. I don't care. You could have put 2001 A Space Odyssey there. I'd be like, cool, dude. Don't tell me that now because we'll pivot right to it. Um, <laughs> that is a lie. Uh, Bone Tomahawk is a sort of blend between horror and western, which two of my favorite genres for sure. And I think it really nails both of those aspects and does a really great job of blending them together in a way that does not feel like oil and water mixing. Um, I think the 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 Western setting for, for a horror movie is such a good... You have this lawlessness to the Western, and it really knocks, it, it really knocks the, the Western aspect out of the park with just some great... A great performance from Kurt Russell, who definitely is cut out like that beard primo stuff Dude, kurt russell has the greatest beard it's it's just a it is a great <laughs> it's just like any movie that any movie <laughs> now that he makes that where he does not have such a beard is just a waste mm-hmm. he's got but, a beard uh, in guardians <laughs> all right yes uh so did anybody else see <laughs> I, I have not seen both <laughs> yeah i've seen okay so it's basically the setup is um Help me out with his name. I just pulled it up on my the setup of who? phone. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Oh. Patrick Wilson. Uh, yes. Another member of the Colin Farrell train. Yes. Yeah, he's great. He's, I've uh, loved uh, Patrick Wilson since. Um, wasn't he in that uh, movie Paparazzi? Was that? I can't him? remember. He was in Hard Candy, so I love yeah. him in that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So Patrick Wilson's wife gets uh, taken by this sort of tribe of. Uh, native troglodytes. troglodytes, yeah, cave dwellers. Um, literally, there's a scene in the I'm movie weird. where they explain that. I'm <laughs> just, think it's just saying, yeah. Um, and they get together this posse with Kurt Russell and Matthew Fox, and they go out to save that wife. Mm-hmm. And all the scenes with them just kind of riding around. Mm-hmm. Matthew Fox. Matthew of, Fox. Uh, of uh, Party of Five fame. Yes, his yeah. most well-known Lost? Role. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, he was in what? <laughs> oh, lo- he was in Lost, right? Lost? Lost. Lost. Right? Yep. Yes, he yeah. was in Lost. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yes. he was... Um, Watch out for our Lost podcast comes in. Anyway, uh, so... And David Arquette is in that movie as well, if you remember. David Arquette He is opens in that the movie, movie with, yeah. Um, Throw him a bone. Uh, uh, the, uh, from from Rob Zombie's Rob Zombie movies, the clown Sid Sid yeah. Haig Mr. Rob Zombie probably something like that yeah, oh man I can't Haig. Really Haig. 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 I can't remember I'm not remember his name um, yeah so this band of, of married gentlemen ride out to save the wife and leading the, the majority of the film is really just western and you have this kind of sense of danger um, throughout as a horror movie where you know there's sort of this threat kind of looming and the further the movie goes on and the closer to their destination they get the danger sort of kind of seeps in more and more um, but I think horror movies kind of rely on darkness um, to sort of kind of create a sense of, of danger and the unknown and some of the scariest parts of this movie happen in broad daylight so I think that is kind of an exceptional way that they achieve horror in kind of a different way and especially when you have this sort of sun-baked desert setting of a western to have a a scene in broad daylight where you are 
very concerned about the main characters is really kind mm. of a feat that they pull off. But since we mentioned everybody else, we gotta throw Richard Jenkins in there. Because mm-hmm. Richard Jenkins' character is so underplayed. And this was right when he was like getting hot. Like mm-hmm. wasn't he he was just in like the visitor and he was just in like something else too. Mm-hmm. Like he was everybody was looking at him and all of a sudden he took this very side esque character that becomes a much bigger character right. later on in the movie without giving anything away. He he becomes uh, a little bit more predominant, a little bit more um a little bit more dialogue uh, as uh, Kurt Russell begins to uh, have less to say. Right. Um, uh, but the, what you said back there about like horror is always um, focusing on like uh, the darkness and like the fear of characters. Uh, Westerns are a lot like that too. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Western horror mashup is always so successful. Like it's, you can't, like you can make a really bad movie but if it's a Western horror genre movie, it's going to be entertaining because they just, they mash up so well. Right. And, and Bone Tomahawk, I think, transcends all that. It really does. It, it's, it's, it's great, so well too. Shot. And there's, it, it's the same thing as um, what we were talking about with the lobster, how there's something that happens in the middle that just, like, you move from, like, if the lobster is a comedy drama, there's something in the middle that turns it into Total a drama credit. comedy and right. in mm. Bone Tomahawk uh, about halfway through you it, it, it flips on itself and it becomes something that you never thought it would go I there mean, yeah, you and go it from... just keeps getting better and better again without spoiling anything like that's just it's a very very good movie and that's why I was totally fine with you putting it on the list because it was like <laughs> it's a really good movie and I was like yeah sure if that if, if you having that on your list makes more people watch this awesome movie then yeah, more power too. Which it is out on Amazon Prime now, Ooh. and did not come out widely released in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So right. go check it out on Amazon Prime. But yeah, you're right. Midway through the movie, where it goes from a bunch of cowboys riding out to save a damsel in distress to just this oppressive fear of the sort of almost like um, supernatural esque troglodyte tribe who is just they are so outmatched riding up against mm-hmm. them and they know it's effectively a suicide mission to go out there um you are afraid for those characters these mm-hmm. badass cowboys you are now afraid uh for their lives because the tension's so high and it's matthew Ooh. fox's best movie since vantage point mm-hmm. i like that idea of kind of making like your because the cowboy is like typically the unstoppable hero and like right. i feel like they feel not expendable but like weak in the way that you're describing it, or feel like you know they could lose in this fight. They're, yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They're very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You, you feel they that. Could lose. You feel that source of vulnerability that the characters have. On the contrary, I just saw uh, Magnificent Seven. Yeah, you guys oh, see that one? Yes, I did. They are all. They are invincible gunslingers who right? can yes. shoot the, the wings off a fly, exactly. and they kill hundreds of men. It's Most of the people I think that ridiculous. live in that area are yeah. dead. They're right? all, they all Chris Pratt. Uh-huh. And coincidentally, one of them is actually Chris Pratt. He's actually Chris <laughs> Pratt. Right, yeah. Uh, um, to see the difference between Bone Tomahawk and that, where it's just, oh, these guys are in some deep shit. Yeah. Uh, they're in trouble. Um, and you feel that. Mm. Yeah. So, who's next? We went a little bit out of order here, but. That's fine. You want to go to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My next one was my favorite movie of the year, Swiss Army Man. Mm -hmm. Swiss Army Man. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I will say um, uh, the directors, Daniels. uh, I believe it's Daniel Kwan and Daniel 
Shiner? I'm not sure. No, no. Shiner, something like that. Uh, Daniel Kwan, Daniel Shiner. They're known as Daniels. Um, Maybe most well known for <laughs> their music video. Oh, the music video of uh, Turn Down for What? Absolutely. Which, if yeah. you have not seen, pause this podcast right now and go watch that music video. Do yourself a a favor. A favor. Take five minutes <laughs> but to But come back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Turn the, the podcast God, back on it. if you've not already turned it off. Uh, it's Swiss Army Man is, um, I saw it when it got its um, semi-wide release. I mean, it didn't really get played in that many places, and I uh, personally tried to bring as many people to the movie theater to go see it as I could. Um, it is... I, and I, I mean, when did it come out? August? So about halfway right. through the year. And yeah. uh, the minute I saw it, I mean, the minute I saw the trailer, I was like, that's probably going to be my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> and then I waited a couple months and the movie came out and I saw it and I was like, that's my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've watched a lot of movies in between August and now. Um, and uh, I kept waiting to catch that one that was going to push Swiss Army Man to two, but I never did. And Swiss Army Man is just the most healing movie. It is absolutely out of control how vital this movie is for everybody on the planet to watch. And I understand how ridiculous that that might sound (laughs) because it's about... um, a farting uh, corpse. A farting corpse <laughs> that, 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 teaches, that teaches a young man to uh, accept himself and to accept his place in the world. And it's uh, there's so many different ways to look at the movie, but just generally like taking it in for what it is, is... Uh, I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's, very, it's very warming. And it's, it's a lot like Moonlight in that way, which is why they're both so high up on my list. It's so... It's so hard to explain what about it is so much fun and exhilarating and so original. Well, it's not hard to explain what's original about it. Mm. It's, uh, it's uh, Harry Potter's Harry Potter's farting farting corpse. corpse. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the preacher from There Will Be Blood rides on the water. That's a very odd sentence <laughs> to put it, but that's exactly what's going on there. I mean, it's not the actual preacher. It's Paul Dano who played him. Which, oddly enough, too, uh, uh, you got Daniels, Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinhart, Daniel Radcliffe, and Paul Dano. Quattro Dance. And then you got uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Who was great. Not a Dan in sight mm-hmm. in that name, but uh-huh. still she's awesome. Honorary Dan. Honorary, Honorary Dan. 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 Swiss Army Man works for me in the same way that The Lobster did, in that yeah. it is very much an absurdist mm-hmm. movie, and part of what happens in that movie you could describe as magical, but the movie does not care so much about, is this magic? Is this something that's happening in the main character's head? It, it blurs those lines in a way that I think is, is unique to that movie because it doesn't matter so much what is actually happening. It, it's just the impact that it has on, on mm-hmm. Paul Dano's character mm-hmm. and his own uh, image of himself that is really what's important. Yeah. I think if you leave the movie being like, was that real or not? You missed the point. Right. It doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the point of the movie is to teach you something about yourself and to make you feel kind of, it's a healing movie, which is yeah. out of the way. It's a movie about self-acceptance. Like, like, again, like that's what I came, what I was saying before is it's, there's so many points to be taken. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if you just watch that and you walk away with like, it was funny because they farted a bunch. That's a point. That's to fine. Take the that's, why, yeah. that's why they picked it. They're just like, it's really funny to me. And, and it's uh, uh, the Daniels have 
go on record and they said like everything that's in this movie we hate like we hate fart jokes we hate dick jokes we hate cotton eye joe we hate harry potter and like and, but all of these things are involved they actually said that and all of these things are involved in there because they were like let's take things that we don't find funny and make them funny by attempting to throw a kind of absurdist drama uh, blanket on top of it and see how that feels to lay on. And uh, and it works. It works so good. It has like, real emotional weight to it. I've oh, seen definitely. that movie so many times. I can't even... I'd say 188, but it's probably been more than that. I don't know. It hasn't been more than that. I have a life. I, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to look at some experience, because we all have different experiences. We all have maybe not had those things in life that people are like, this is what you have to have, and this is what you need. Well, you've never fallen in love with a farting corpse? Can't say that I have. Okay. But (laughs) (laughs) I know. Come on. But to take this experience that happens to this person, or these people, and say, like, this is what they turned this into. This is what they turned living in the woods into. How beautiful it is and how scenic and how it speaks to you individually. I think every single one of us, it just like spoke to you on a certain level, like riding the bus and seeing a pretty girl on the bus. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful the way they handle that. That is true. Like the, that's the, the individuality of it and like uh, how, it, how it can feel to you watching that movie is very important and very and is very key to what makes that movie so original and so it's like I think that's maybe why it's so hard to kind of talk about it because yeah. you're kind of trying to express what you were feeling while watching it but I'm the only one that really understands where those feelings are coming from because they're mine they're my, it's my history and my feeling and it's again like it's you know uh, like like Moonlight and like La La Land and even like Blue Jay which we won't talk about because um, huh but it's great. Uh, they're they're very healing movies, and even the invitation too. In that in that respect, is mm-hmm. is very. Yeah, the invitation going back to that is very much about um, peer pressure in mm-hmm. a way, and it's very much about like am am I confident enough in myself to understand what's going on around me? Right. And Swiss Army Man is very much about um, confidence in yourself and finding the beauty in the disgusting things that you see about yourself that everybody has too, but nobody talks about them. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody farts. You know what your farts smell like. Not good. They're not good, but they smell better to you than other people's farts because you're used to them. Probably. Uh, <laughs> wait, you're vegetarian, right? Yeah, they're not uh, good. They're bad. Never mind. No. I take that back. No, sorry. Uh, confirm bad. Worst farts in the room. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Bernadette, <laughs> you're next. <laughs> All right. That's where we leave off on yeah, a oh, yeah. part joke. That's it. Awesome. Nice. How it has to be done. Nice. Um, yeah, the last movie that I was going to bring up was La La Land. Mm-hmm. Um, two of us in the room have seen it. Two of us have not. But it's such a great film about what it takes to make it, just make it, air quotes, involved. Um, whatever you want to do. Um the two main characters, one is an aspiring actress, one is a very talented jazz musician who wants to open his own club, or at least be in a club that will respect him for what he wants to give, but because he can't find that, his draw is to start his own club. And just the impact we have on everyone else in our lives, 
how people come into our lives and affect us in this very gravitational way, but might not necessarily be the person that you end up with. I think a lot of movies do a really poor job of explaining how a relationship does not have to be completely bad. I think a lot of the times you watch these movies and either the two romantic leads end up together and it's perfect and it's awesome, or they break up and it's the end of the world. Well, they meet in the first act, they <laughs> fall in love with each other in the second act, something goes wrong in the third act, and then in the fourth act they get back together. Fourth act. Fourth act. Yeah, what are we talking about? La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, th- quarter, sure, whatever. Okay. I didn't go to film school, guys, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's just really important to take all of these experiences that we have in our lives and value them for what they are and let them be their own thing where it doesn't have to be the end to the means. It's just an experience we had that made us who we are and got us to this certain destination, but it might might not have been the one that we anticipated when we started out. And I think their love for what they do is the real romance of the film. Their love of the movies and their love of music and experience it in the way that they want to experience it in a world and not necessarily the way the world wants them to experience it. Yeah, there's La La Land gets a really bad rap, man. Because, you know, it came out in, in like, you know, uh, award season mm. and... Uh, it, it, and it's complete uh, Oscar bait. Yeah. You know, it's about Hollywood, and it's uh, it's got like Ryan got like it's got recognizable white actors in it. It's got John Legends. Uh, you know, like it's that that's like award season to a T. Uh, but there is so much depth to La La Land, and the the more you watch it, the more you understand that there is this hopefulness that they're really trying to put out there and it's not just one type of hopefulness and that's what you were kind of touching on there's like it's not just the hopefulness of like a love story and it's not just the hopefulness of following your dreams and being able to pull them out there there's this entire idea of being uh just open to experience and that's what la la land is asking its audience to also do you know, like, I mean, there, there's a moment halfway through the movie where they where like they do everything just short of like Ryan Gosling stopping and looking directly at the camera and just saying, like, if you're not into this yet, you should probably just get out uh, because it's really just like it, it's it's a movie that's devoted, dedicated even to just uh, the basic principles of joy and hope and creativity more than anything else. And they want you to take a, a like a, like a non cynical, an uncynical look at uh, a musical, done in the way that musicals used to be done. This isn't a musical like Moulin Rouge. This isn't a musical like Little Shop of Horrors, which were like the first two big rebirths of the musicals after musicals kind of died away. You know, like in the '80s, Little Shop of Horrors came out, and they were like, "That's how you can do musicals now. We can have fun with that." And like John Waters did Cry Baby, and we got a couple more good ones. Moulin Rouge came out, and then all of a sudden we got a pretty decent Phantom of the Opera film adaptation that was a musical, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and we got all that stuff. But back in the '50s, musicals were really different, and even into the '60s, they were very optimistic. And optimism is a thing that, especially in the film world, is not there anymore. Everybody wants to be cynical. They want to be critical. They want to be the first one to point out, hey, 
that's what's wrong with that. And La La Land knows that because it's a movie done by a filmmaker that understands pressure. I mean, look at Whiplash. Mm-hmm. It's all about pressure just coming on in, like, and just like it's that's that's a that's a thriller that's just done as it's a musical thriller technically because mm-hmm. there's musical numbers in it. Um, and I I applaud La La Land. I could go on and on about La La Land for having so much involved in its stories that if you wanted to look at it, you could find it there. But if you also just wanted to like really enjoy some pretty catchy songs and watch Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone be super cute together, you could get that out of it too. Because that's what the movie is. It's charm. Like just as much as any tone that they put in or any uh, storyline that's brought in, it's charm. The movie is so charming, and if you weren't charmed by it, it's like, dude, come to the lights. Just, it's so much fun. Just have fun with it. Um, but yeah, La La Land. Like that's why it was. That's why it was one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I've seen it three times already. But I'm a super sucker for musicals too, so that doesn't count. Oh, I just like. I like to get lost in musicals. I want to see it with as many big audiences as I can before it's finally out, and then I just watch it every night as I fall asleep for like the next year for you two what was like your expectations going into the movie because when I, I first saw the trailer um I think when we saw Arrival and I remember being like kind of what we were saying before it was just like this is just white people mm. doing white people stuff and it's just I don't want any part of this it looks Stop like Oscar bait like the most well, yes. it's, it's, it's a it's stuff. a big it's a big <laughs> stereotype um you know that all of us at this table live with every day is that white people dance all the time. It's hard. It's just, not it's, hard. it's just not true. We don't. We're actually, <laughs> like like most stereotypes, usually the opposite is what's correct. We're actually horrible at dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, to see... Speak for yourself. Well, I mean, you're a vegetarian, so it's different. Yeah. Um, you got veggie powers. Right. But to, <laughs> to see, uh, uh, it's, uh, to, to see the dancing in the musicals done in the way they are in La La Land. There's one thing, everybody's making fun of Ryan Gosling for being a bad dancer. And Ryan Gosling really only, air quotes, dances in one scene. And in that scene, it's all about him and Emma Stone attempting to play coy with one another that they're actually kind of falling for for each other. other. And they're both dancing kind of oddly. That's the whole point yeah. of it is that it's them going tip for tap back and forth instead of dialogue because it starts out with dialogue mm-hmm. he says this the whole song beforehand is just like this could never be you're not the type of girl for me but he is totally into her and she's totally into him and their dancing number is that dialogue <laughs> dance and it's and it and it and it's smooth at points and it's a little rickety at some points and that's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be and it's that whole cynicism just kind of coming in there where it's like I can judge the dancing in this because it's a musical, and I can judge the singing. Emma Stone's not supposed to be a good singer, even though she actually, she actually is, is a, a good great singer. singer. Yeah. Anybody that says that is just like, what are you talking about? She's not about? classically trained, no, but she's, she's like, got she's a, a beautiful voice. Singer, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff in La La Land, you know, for lack of a better term, because it's very disrespectful, and I never want to be disrespectful talking to people about differences in movies, but I honestly think it's going over your head. I don't think you're understanding that this is what the filmmakers intended if it's not what the filmmakers intended it's what i saw in the movie and that's why i'm defending it so passionately right yeah when i went into it 
harking back to old Hollywood where we were talking about the same actors got recycled in all of these different films and you had seen so and so and so and so together in so many other movies so you go into it knowing that they're going to have some kind of rapport with each other and this is the third movie I think that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have been yeah. paired together Crazy Stupid Love mm-hmm. and Gangster Squad I believe so <laughs> Oh, everyone's oh, favorite boy. gangster squad. <laughs> I, I had seen Crazy Stupid Love, and I know that they have chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of was a smart move, although that wasn't the original casting for this film. I think it ended up being a very smart it move. It was Miles Teller. Miles Teller and Emma Watson. I believe so. Ooh, a different Emma. <laughs> a different Emma. Oh, that's, that's a great Emma. name for a movie. Self-destructive. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but invincible. But yeah, coming into it, I'm a sucker for musicals too. Um, I rarely dislike a musical. And actually, when I walked away from La La Land, the first time I've seen it, the only time I've seen it, I did kind of walk away a little sad because at the beginning of the film, the first act is beautiful. They have all these really wild, crazy dance numbers and really explosive music. But then halfway during the film, you get into reprises and you're starting to hear things that were played before. And when I first walked out, my initial reaction was like, well, I enjoyed those like five songs that we heard. They were great. I wish we would have heard more original music throughout the film. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized it was to make a point that when your relationship first starts, it's all fun and new and exciting and crazy and different. But then the farther along you get into this relationship, it starts to have patterns and starts to repeat itself, but it doesn't make it any less beautiful. So while I was writing that article that I wrote about La La Land, I was listening to the soundtrack the whole time and falling more and more in love with just the music. So not only is it the music and the acting and the costuming and the sets, it's just the whole picture. It's like this beautiful portrait of Hollywood, even though you see a lot of struggle in that film too. And I think that's really helpful to give you like a better understanding of how that kind of world works. And it is La La Land. Like, mm-hmm. most of us won't see that world up close. But it's a nice little glimpse, and it's beautifully done. And, yeah, it's just a great film overall. It's like the, the word masterpiece is so easily thrown around, especially in award seasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I've only lived with the movie for about a month now, but it's like, dude, like, there's so much about that movie that just screams like this is a masterpiece like this is you may not be into it and that's what the whole musical genre is about but this is a masterpiece this is something to behold this is it took a lot of work to get this done and to pull it off just right and i'm happy it's winning a bunch of awards right now i hope it does just as well yeah all right well i'm going to bring it home with my last movie and our last movie of this uh this podcast tonight um, with Arrival, uh, which is what I find to be a really nice blend of, of sci-fi and a personal drama. Um, so the, the setup of the movie is it's a first alien contact. So you have the arrival of uh, a new an alien species that just shows up over some of the major cities in the world, and the world is just dealing with it. And I really like the way that the film kind of took a step back and was able to look at how the, the, the world would react, both socially, politically, what have you, to this alien invader, which really, if such a thing were to actually happen, 
the rules are out, sort of out the window. These, if this is a species from another planet, they could function completely different to us in the way that they communicate, in the way that they exist in any possible way. And and I think the the movie does a really good job in that aspect of really portraying the arrival of something foreign, something truly foreign, and portraying how the world would react to something like that, um, especially in the way that the world's governments would react. And I think right now, if aliens were to show up, uh, the world's leaders would not react too kindly because the world current leader maybe is not so kind to foreign anything foreign whatsoever. But that's not neither here or there. Yeah, the, the queen. queen. Yeah, <laughs> hates aliens. She's Did you know right. that? She's okay. She's gonna um, fire a bomb right at that <laughs> alien ruffle on the edge. Queen's I mean, finger is right on that too. button. Um, but at the same time, that it addresses such like a, a global phenomenon, you have this very personal emotional story and it weaves both of those things together in a way that i think is is really seamless um robbie and i saw this one together we did and i also i equally love the movie it was also on my top five list um i think like one of the best kind of like devices they use in the movie is language um the story is kind of about this uh, our main protagonist is trying to learn how to speak to she is aliens. a linguist she's a linguist and she's trying to and like you know the government comes to her being like you know how to talk talk to these guys they're <laughs> right. from space we have no idea how the hell to talk to these so guys so can you figure it please out please figure it out and um it, it's 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 so interesting to see like the way that she goes about trying to communicate to these beings and like how they like you know the the aliens in the movie are not like they're not human-like at all. They're they are not even close. Not even close. Which I think is like so. I think that's like a great move to make them like so strange, right? And to you know, as they start to kind of communicate, they become more humanized, right? And something that is not humanoid at all. At all, like and not even like a little bit. That's sort of uh, I think a strength of the movie is mm-hmm. a lot of sci-fi portrays other intelligent alien life as really humanoid in a vague way Mm -hmm. and arrival goes out of its way to really portray this alien life as something that is not in basically any way similar to Mm -hmm. to us and it's you know as you know um as our main character kind of humanizes them she almost becomes more alien right as she starts to kind of make that connection and it's it's such a really it's such a beautiful interplay as like they like these two beings are kind of like crossing paths and like changing each other as they learn to speak to each other right and and that that barrier of communication sort of serves as the motivator for tension in the movie where you have the world's governments who are like we don't know how to talk to these things we don't know what they want they just showed up and we're about ready to just nuke them it's like an arms race exactly yeah yeah uh and it's sort of a race between amy adams's character Mm -hmm to figure out what these aliens actually want yeah. before the world's governments decide, um, I think we'd rather just attack we them. We should probably just shoot yeah, them, right? We'll just Let's get just on shoot with attacking the them before they yeah. attack us. And then there's a big twist in the movie that we won't get into here. To but it's funny because Jack but... and I, during the movie, we both like kind of, we didn't necessarily see the twist coming, but when like on the verge of the twist kind of twisting, we looked, we looked at, at each other and we're just like, oh, this. Right. And we were... Oh, spot on. There is a direct <laughs> literary connection yes. to it that is pretty much 
if you have this connection, you will is, understand. You get the twist pretty yeah. much right. But it away. doesn't take away from it because like it's not like twist movie over. It's like twist now. If you, it only adds to it if you kind of understand. Well, I think that's where the emotional driver of the movie mm. comes for because it is really you have this global setting for for the um, arrival of this alien species, yeah. but. The movie, first and foremost, is a personal story it's an about intimate story. very intimate yeah. about Amy Adams and mm-hmm. some of her personal emotional baggage that yes. she is dealing with while she is trying to uh, to cope with this yeah. alien life form. Yeah. Did it's, you Did you see it, Mike? I didn't. You did not. Yeah, not this not sounds like an awesome movie. It it's, is. I wanted good. to see it. I've really, I really tried to go see yeah. it, but it just kept like leaving the theater that I was going to go see it at and then it was like disappeared and then I actually yeah. had the opportunity to go see it yesterday but I had to do a bunch of other stuff. It, yeah. was, it slipped through my fingers but I really can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. Have either of you guys seen any of Torchwood? Torchwood, no, no, I have not. Doctor Who spinoff, um, Torchwood oh. season three is Children of Earth and it also deals with like an alien invasion and how the governments react to it mm-hmm. and kind of the negotiations that right. they try to yeah. have with this alien creature. Right. And so I'm very interested to see the movie. Um, well, the whole point is go back and watch Children of Earth again. But how do you how do you negotiate with something yeah. that their laws of con- communication are not even Different. close? Well, it's really cool because it breaks yeah. down the the general idea of most alien movies is communication. I mean, yeah. that's, that's why Close Encounters of the Third Kind is considered one of the greatest alien encounter movies ever because it's, at the end, after all the dust settles, it's down to um, some of the most, uh, some of the smartest people in the world attempting to communicate with right. them and, and the risks are are very um, uh, limited because it's Steven Spielberg and it's a family film so that <laughs> it's very... They're not like, uh-oh, what if we mess this up? They're just right. like, nah, just play the keyboard. And uh, I, I kind of like that idea that creating that, that uh, learning how to communicate with one another in a race against uh, violence being taken, that's pretty cool. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's that's, really that's effective. A, that's a pretty cool idea. And, and that is all, again, layered on top of a very personal and emotional story that has yeah. resonance in itself. It's it's almost, I almost feel like I'm, we're doing like a disservice to like that personal story because we're talking about this like, the alien thing is like the big picture. Right. It's the but it's this for... intimate story about this woman and like what she's going through actively during the entire course of the movie. Right, and, like and ultimately that's with. what ties it together and they exactly. are able to communicate in that way through that sort of emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have like this, the two layers of the story so seamlessly blend together yeah. I think was really strong. I think like when I was first watching the movie it was like jarring to have the two against each other and mm-hmm. then like by the its conclusion you're just like oh this is just like is so good. It wraps it in really well. So good. And yeah. ties it together with that plot twist that we won't get into. Which we won't is. get into, which, oh, it's, it is, you guys uh, are tiptoeing. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm gonna do a chef's kiss. You guys uh, can't see the chef's kiss, but it's there. It is amazing. I want to tease you with it, so really make sure you go see it. Yeah, please, <laughs> please. Fair. Was right. it better than Charlie Sheen's The Arrival? I hadn't seen that Um, one, so I, I haven't know. seen it either, but I'm gonna <laughs> go with, yup. Great film. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah, yes. Great don't, film. Uh, you haven't seen it. Charlie Sheen's The Arrival. All right. Well, look out for that on uh, our next Charlie Sheen podcast, Star Screen Presents. It's a very um, ba- like fine battle between The Arrival and Arrival mm-hmm. and The Room and Room. It's just 
the oh, the articles. Very, wait, the, add the there's a very different. show up to Brie Larson. <laughs> Uh, stuck mm. in a room with her kid that were like, I thought <laughs> that's we not Tommy Wiseau. That Tommy Wiseau. was the room. That's not what's happening. Tommy Wiseau's is the room, though, right? Yeah, the that room. Is the room. And the superior movies, movie. Those movies are definitely both <laughs> crippling in their own unique way. Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all like 50, 20 minute sex scenes, right? We're all into that? And repeat sex scenes repeat the whole time. Oh, it's, it's the only way that Tommy Wiseau has ever gotten laid. Depends on what kind of movie it's in. I guess you're right. All right, well, thank you if you're still there listening uh, for sticking with us for our very first episode of Story Screen Presents. Um, we've got to play with it a lot, but we've got a lot of really great ideas, I think, in the works. Um, Robbie and I are going to be sort of co-heading the podcast division of mm-hmm. Story Screen, and we're really excited about some of the ideas that we have. Yes. Um, and look out for those in the future. Um, in the meantime, you can check out storyscreenbeacon.com. Um, where you can find some some lists. Uh, I know everybody out there loves lists. Um, of <laughs> <laughs> lists are hot, man. Lists uh, are hot. They've been true. hot. They they continue to be hot. Twenty seventeen. Hot. Forty three reasons why I kind of like Star Wars Rogue One. Exactly. Um, where we've all sort of taken a little more aside uh, to go into our our own personal movies. I know I did five. Robbie did five. Mm-hmm. Mike did sixteen. Sixteen because twenty sixteen. Bernadette, yeah. you there did you ten. Go. There are a couple <laughs> other lists up there as well. So check them out again. Storyscreenbeacon.com. Mike, do you have an email address if anybody wants to send in any? Uh, you go to storyscreenbeacon.com. You can find us right down at the bottom of every page. You can follow us. You can sign up for our newsletter, or you can contact us right there. Like, subscribe, join the conversation. Mm-hmm. Hashtag. Take a, take a real website. Hit that shit. So um, close. Yeah, so close. It's uh, almost there. there. But uh, we're all looking forward to uh, a 2017 jam-packed full of movies. I guess as a closer, is there any movies that you guys are excited about in 2017? True. One, let's keep it a one oh, per person. Geez. One per person in 2017. This was not planned. I just I threw this know, out man. there. Ryan Johnson, yeah, Star Wars. I know it's all the Fuck way to December, but like, because what I else agree. do you do? Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's Ryan Johnson making a Star Wars I'm, movie. Well, you we'll think it's going to be like go that new Star Wars movie? It's gonna be I'm like hoping. Brick. I'm hoping it's gonna be more um, Brothers Bloom than okay. anything else. All right, honestly. Valid. Yeah. Valid. fair. Robbie, don't say Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I'm like drawing a blank because I feel like I'm on the spot. So I'm just mm-hmm. gonna say Triple X, out <laughs> now in theaters. Uh, hot take coming in the pipeline. Hopefully. That one's for real. Yeah. That's, the one. That's the one. That's the one. There's also Furious Eight. Get me on board the with hateful, that too. Furious 8? The Hateful Furious 8? Something like that. I think that's a movie. Um, I'm, I'm looking out for Girl with All the Gifts. I'm I'm very tired of zombie movies, but that movie does look pretty interesting. Cure for Wellness yeah. too. Cure for that. Wellness. Ooh. Also oh, yeah. Cure really for good. Wellness. Yep. Is that uh, yeah. Gore Verbinski? Mm-hmm. I believe Return so. To fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sad rendition of I Want to Be Sedated in that trailer. Go check yes. out that trailer. If, you're, <laughs> if you it like is good. Uh, it is good. sad renditions of popular pop songs. Bernadette, you got something in mind? Well, the one that's springing to mind right now is Beauty and the Beast. I'm super oh, yeah. excited yeah. to go see Beauty oh, and the Beast. I'm sure it's going to be great. We didn't talk about Jungle Book. No. <laughs> Another time. That's right. You guys haven't seen High Rise, so you don't know how good Luke Evans is going to be at Gaston. All right. Well, as you can tell, for sure, we have a lot more to say about movies. Uh, So keep your eye out on storyscreenbeacon.com for more podcasts. And thanks again for listening.